In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our text for today is the Gospel reading from St. Luke, which I've already read. During the Reformation, there was a debate between Martin Luther and a man named Erasmus, who was a leading scholar in Europe. He actually was the one that produced the first kind of critical edition of the New Testament in Greek. One of the questions that the two men debated was whether or not God really meant what he said when he makes such strict demands of us in his law. Erasmus, on the one hand, contended that God would reward those who did their best, but ultimately he didn't really mean for us to keep every single commandment in the word. Luther, on the other hand, said that God and his demands was absolute. This really isn't a small disagreement either. The issue on its face is important enough. For if we can truly please God with our works, then do we really need Jesus to come and live a perfect life and die in our place to rescue us from sin and death? If we don't really need that, all we need to do is work harder and work longer to do our best. And then God will smile on our efforts and give us a blessing anyway. But there is a monster that is lurking behind that door. Who is to say what our best really is? How can we, be ever, how can we ever be certain that we have done enough to please God, to get to that level where he will bless us? There's another important issue that kind of lurks behind this as well. If we can't really trust that God is serious in his demands in the law, what else in his word is he not really serious about? And so, after 500 years or so, I'd say that this is still an important question that we must wrestle with in our own day. This question comes to us plainly in the Gospel reading from Luke 6. Jesus begins with these words, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So our standard for mercy is not to do better than the guy next to us, but our standard for mercy is God himself. We are to be merciful as our Father in heaven is merciful. Now because God's standard of mercy is ultimately a perfect standard, Jesus gives us a few examples to help us understand what this might look like. He goes on. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. These brief examples may seem easy enough. After all, who am I to judge someone else? In my eye, there sits a wooden plank while I'm trying to remove a tiny speck from my brother's eye. This ought to be the standard in every Christian home and in every Christian relationship. The law demands that we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. God gives us each a commandment in the set or gives each commandment in the second table of the law, not simply to protect those around us from harm, but so that we know how to show love and mercy to them according to our relationship to them. And so, children are to show mercy to their parents by obeying them, while parents 
are to show mercy to their children by teaching them God's word. We are to show mercy to one another by taking care of our neighbor's physical needs through acts of mercy. This may include something as simple as making a visit to the hospital or making a meal when somebody comes home from the hospital. We are to show mercy to our spouses by keeping the marriage bond sacred and loving our wives as Christ loved the church and wives obeying husbands as the church does to Christ. We are to show mercy toward our neighbor by helping him maintain his possessions, which are a good gift from God's own hand. We are to show mercy to our neighbor by protecting his reputation and not spreading or listening to gossip at all. We are to show mercy to our neighbor's household by helping him keep it and keep it in good order. This is the mercy that God commands us to show one another. But the difficulty comes to us when we realize that our nearest neighbors, our children, our parents, other family members, whoever they might be, are the ones who can often hurt us the most. God, do you really expect me to show mercy to these people all of the time, like you show me mercy? These people who are loud for no reason at all, these people that are constantly telling me to pick up my room and make sure there aren't Legos all over the floor and clothes out of the clothes hamper. And the answer, of course, is yes. He does expect us to be perfectly merciful to those people. But it doesn't stop there. Jesus even commands you to be merciful to your enemies and to do good to those who hate you. In the verses leading up to our gospel today, he says, Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is where mercy becomes even more difficult for us, if not downright impossible. But Jesus continues, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. That's a tough pill to swallow, especially in 2020. By refusing to show mercy to our neighbors, including the ones who are our enemies and hate us, Jesus says that we are no better than a blind man leading another blind man. If the mercy that we show to others is to be a reflection of the mercy of our Heavenly Father, or as Jesus says, be merciful even as your Father is merciful, then we are all too often a gross misrepresentation of the Father of all mercy. How can we expect to lead others to a God when we ourselves are all too often unmerciful to those who are around us? By setting such a poor example of God's mercy, we are even condemning ourselves. Jesus says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The standard of mercy that we show each other 
including the standard of mercy that we show to those who hate us, that, Jesus says, will be the standard that will be used against us. Repent. Repent of your sins. Flee from them. Dear friends in Christ, this standard of mercy is impossibly high for us, and we cannot attain it. God's word is true, and he means exactly what he says. But we must not miss the comfort that is found for us in these words. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Our only hope in today's gospel text is not found in the way that we're going to treat one another, but it is found in what God truly says and means in his word. For we have a Father who is infinitely merciful, even to us who are his enemies. As I said before, we have a father whose compassion for a world of lost sinners drove him to show mercy to all mankind by sending his son, Jesus. He sent his son, Jesus, in order to redeem us from all sin and from all death. He suffered at the unmerciful hands of false accusers and abusers, even as he was mocked And nailed to the cross, he pleaded for the Father's mercy, saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Even while on the cross, Jesus faced a merciless judge, his own Father, who poured out all his wrath for all sins of all time, for the whole world, on Jesus. For all of our sins at the cross were heaped upon him. All this he did that he might win for us the Father's mercy. And so the Father's mercy is not one through our being merciful to one another, but it is one for us in Christ Jesus, who is the mercy of God in the flesh. He brings this mercy to you in ways that you can concretely receive in this life. What greater mercy can our God show to us by covering our sins with his righteousness in the waters of our baptism. He brings it to you through the absolution that you heard this morning. What greater mercy can sinners receive than the news that for the sake of their Lord Jesus Christ and his innocent suffering and death, that our sins are forgiven? What greater mercy can your God show to you than to place into your mouth this day the very flesh and blood whereby he won for you the forgiveness of sins and the Father's mercy. God's mercy is indeed rich and superabundant for you, and he wants you to have no lack. And this mercy, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is the priceless treasure our merciful Father delivers to us today in his holy word. And in the mercy that God shows to you, he is forming you in his own image. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. And and so by showing his mercy to you in Christ, he is teaching you how to show mercy to those around you. As he pours his superabundant mercy into you, you become like an overflowing cup, the cup in Psalm 23, for instance, that spills out its mercy on all who are around you. When we come to realize how much mercy that we have received from God in Christ Jesus, 
The new man in us cannot help but to show mercy to those who are around us, even to those who hate us. This is why we so often pray for the enemies of the church not to be destroyed, but that their hearts would be turned so that they may take part in praising God with us. This is why husbands and wives, even after so many years of sinning against one another, can continue to show mercy and forgiveness to one another. And why parents, likewise, can continue to show mercy to their children. It is not an accident that Christian families that attend the the divine service are helping to keep divorces down in our society. This is why fathers who are active in the church are more likely to have children who continue on in the church as they grow up. When we see examples of God's mercy all around us, the new man in us that is born of water and the spirit and holy baptism is encouraged in his efforts to continue to reflect God's perfect standard of mercy to those who are around us. Will there be times when we are less than merciful and poor reflections of mercy that God has shown to us in Christ? Of course, we will. Until we close our eyes in this mortal life, we will constantly have to battle with the old Adam that is struggling against the mercy of God. And that is why we must continue to come to this place, the place where we receive not judgment, but mercy. For even as we are shown mercy by our Father in heaven, so also is he forming us to reflect that mercy to those whom he has placed around us. In Jesus' name. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.